Hi there, it's great to be with you again. This is MLEX's weekly podcast covering the big stories in regulatory affairs from around the globe with the assistance of our team of reporters. My name is James Paniki. I'm MLEX's Asia-Pacific Senior Editor. Now, you don't have to know that much about video games or stock markets or even short-selling to have heard about the unusual case of GameStop. Earlier this year, the share price of the US video game retailer skyrocketed, only to fall again sharply. The peaks and troughs had nothing to do with the value of GameStop and everything to do with a short squeeze which had been engineered or at least encouraged by a Reddit community. Now, whether spite trading is and should be a thing is, I suppose, still open to debate, and there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of sympathy for short sellers out there. But the unusual and arguably unprecedented circumstances of the short squeeze prompted a conversation on both sides of the Atlantic about the regulation that is needed in these circumstances. The controversy also put the operations of financial services company Robin Hood under the microscope, and we'll get to that in just a moment. There's a lot to unpack here, so let's get cracking. In just over 10 minutes' time, we'll touch base with Jack Schickler, who's standing by in Brussels. First up, though, MLEX's senior correspondent covering financial regulation from Washington, D.C. His name is Neil Rowland, and he's with me right now. Okay, Neil, uh, first up, just recap again what GameStop is and how the company ended up in the news recently. GameStop exploded into the news in mid to late January when its stock, the stock of this middling, struggling company, uh, zoomed uh, 20-fold in the course of just two weeks. Now it's a video game retailer mostly bricks and mortar, that has been trying to move online with middling success. To remind you what a struggling company it is, uh, before this trading frenzy began, it had four years in a row of declining sales, a market value of only $5 billion, and last year it was looking for its fifth CEO in little over a year. And then the stock zoomed on the basis of this frenetic trading in the course of just a couple of weeks. What was happening caught the attention, caught actually popular attention, because it was goosed by um, online chat rooms. Reddit's Wall Street Bets forum served as the base where Uh, Small investors were trying to uh, drive up the stock in what seemed like a populist effort to uh, squeeze the hedge fund traders, the shorts, those big hedge funds who were shorting the stock, meaning they were betting that the stock would go down. And so using these uh, small investors using the Robinhood online brokerage app, they were driving the price up and forcing hedge funds to sell, which drove the price up further. So it became, as has been uh, come to be called, a gamification of Wall Street. 
All right. So just to summarize, uh, therefore, it wasn't about GameStop's actual value. It was designed to hurt the funds that had shorted these stocks. So a chance for small investors to to have some uh, weight to inflict some real uh, pain there. They use this particular platform to do it. That is the the, the Robin Hood uh, app. Um, and that is really how things ended up, right? Then the value of, of GameStop went down because there was no real logic to it in the first place, and and uh, and here we are. Well, just to complete the story, just a couple of days after the massive volatility, which you accurately described, Robinhood suddenly stopped the trading. It put a halt to all trading because it said it needed to uh, pay its the margin call for its clearinghouse. That is, clearinghouses are uh, kind of behind the scenes intermediaries between buyer and sellers, and they require money from both sides. So in case one side defaults, the other isn't left holding the bag. So its uh, clearinghouse asked Robinhood to come out with, uh, up with more money to protect against um, this volatility, and Robinhood halted trading while it raised uh, about $3 billion. And, and the reason for this is obviously that uh, the use of Robinhood had spiked as a result of this activity, and so it, it, it was a bit exposed in terms of its ability to, to cover itself, and that's why it had to um, uh, halt trading. That's right. Once it halted trading with little warning, it caused an outrage. It actually <laughs> united lawmakers from both parties. It caused an outrage from investors, of course. It caused an outrage among celebrities. You know, investors wanted to keep trading, but they weren't able to. And this then became the subject of the first congressional hearing a, f- uh, a few weeks later. Mm. So, so this does bring us to the regulatory side of things because we're talking about different things, the gamification of, of trades, which you uh, talked about earlier. It uh, tells us about the responsibilities that a trading app of this kind uh, should or might have in terms of uh, the market and those who are using the app. So what has been the regulatory approach? What what kinds of issues are regulators likely to focus on here? Well, we've got both regulators and prosecutors involved. U.S. and state prosecutors are looking into what is being speculated uh, is market manipulation. Were there efforts by, say, stock promoters using these chat forums to use false information to goose the stock. We don't know what they're looking at, but that's the best bet of uh, what the market manipulation might be. As far as regulators, they had also been relatively closed-mouthed until Tuesday of this week when uh, at his confirmation hearing, the nomination for Securities and Exchange Commission chairman, Gary Gensler, said, if confirmed by the Senate, which seems likely, he will focus on four issues. So that gives us the best uh, outline of what regulators will be looking at. 
Is there a role for lawmakers in all of this? I mean, is there a call for legislation that would address this kind of behavior directly? Well, lawmakers seem to be mostly offering a forum. Uh, The House Financial Services Committee had one hearing at which the CEO of Robinhood, Vlad Tenev, uh, became the target of attacks from both sides. And he apologized for his poor communications, uh, particularly about the stoppage of trading. There's a second hearing just announced today that will be held by the same committee on March 17th. All right. So there is a new administration in town. It has the levers of power very much in its hands. What likely U.S. governmental action lies ahead? Well, going back to what Gensler said, the SEC nomination or the four issues they're looking at. First and foremost will be the model that Robin Hood is part of, which called payment for order flow. Robinhood takes in orders for free, offers no commissions, which is a form of populist trading. It then funnels these orders to a wholesale market maker, such as Citadel, the dominant wholesale market maker, um, which pays Robinhood for these orders and completes the trade. And the question that arises for regulators is, suppose there are others that want these orders. Say Vanguard wants these customer orders, but isn't paying Robinhood, say the way Citadel is paying Robinhood. Will Robinhood still give the orders to Vanguard I'm being using a hypothetical rather than Citadel, which is a real uh, wholesale brokerage to complete the order. Now, the SEC is obligated to get investors the best price possible when they complete their trade. So the question is, will uh, the SEC be able to somehow modify this payment for order flow model, this market model that has been advanced for decades to get customers the best prices. But Gensler said they're looking at three other things that strike me as a little less compelling. One, investor protection from some of these, uh, from trading apps such as Robinhood that use, uh, that incentivize trading. They offer prompts to trade more. Uh, anytime you trade on Robinhood, you get balloons, confettis <laughs> uh, raining down yeah. whenever you place a trade. They're looking at the extent to which that psychological prompt may play a role. What about ensuring customers access to the markets when uh, an online brokerage, it, which is a, a basically a, a, a trading app, lacks the margin funds for clearing houses and shuts down as Robin Hood did. How can the regulator ensure customer access to the markets when this happens? And last, what Gensler said, they're looking at the domination of this wholesale uh, market maker uh, sector by just a few firms, including Citadel. Now, 
To your question, Dames, what can regulators do? That's very much up in the air. Neil, it has been fascinating uh, talking through this issue with you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, James. Neil Rowland is MLEX's senior reporter covering financial regulation from our bureau in Washington, D.C. And don't forget that we post a selection of our reporting at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. Just click on the News Hub tab. Still to come, how the reverberations of the GameStop affair are being felt in Europe. And you can subscribe to MLEX Podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and Stitcher. Leave a review if you can and help us spread the word. In the European Union, the GameStop controversy led to some introspection about whether this type of targeted market rally could have happened in the bloc. But it's also become part of a broader debate about EU investors' traditional reluctance to put money into the stock market and no doubt incidents such as this will do little to boost confidence. Jack Schickler is MLEX's senior financial services correspondent based in Brussels, and he's on the line right now. Uh, Jack, let's tackle that central hypothesis. Could any of what we've just heard about uh, this case from Neil just now, could any of it have really happened in Europe, given the current uh, regulatory setup? Well, Europe is quite a different uh, financial scene to the US. Um, There's definitely a different culture. And most Europeans are actually pretty cautious about investing in stocks in the first place. Most of them never even try. They're they're quite happy with their safe little bank savings account. Um, And there's also a different set of rules about what kind of inducements you can provide to to encourage people to buy shares and, and the kind of marketing and the kind of platforms you can use. But regulators over here are definitely worried that if it happened in the US, maybe it could happen over here. And they're definitely reacting to what is a fairly unprecedented set of circumstances that that really shows exactly what the uh, introduction of technology could mean for financial services. So while Europeans are generally thought of as a pretty cautious bunch uh, of investors, there are definitely some worries among the regulatory community. But there is tougher regulation in place, right? I mean, there are rules that um, could, in theory, prevent this kind of behaviour um, unfolding in the EU. Uh, definitely. There's market abuse rules, as there are in the States. There also seems to be uh, one particular thing about Robin Hood's practice. Um, that's the platform that many people use to buy these shares appears to have used a method of payment known as payment for order flow, where it's not the people buying the stock who pay a commission in order to buy it, um, but they're they're paid by brokers or other parties in the financial sphere who pay them, who incentivize them to, to to send orders their way. And the emerging view, although it's not entirely clear among European regulators, is that wouldn't be allowed under existing EU market instrument rules uh, because there are there are rules about. Uh, you know, you have to find the best deal for your customer. Um, you have to act uh, objectively and impartially, um, and you have to um, be very open about any incentives or inducements you've been offered in order to to offer someone um, a sale. Would EU regulators be relieved to know that they have these uh, tougher rules in place? Well. Uh, they're actually in a bit of a quandary because they were caught in the act of saying, you know, maybe our maybe our rules are not too tough, but maybe we don't have enough retail investors. 
Um, they've been on this uh, years-long mission in Brussels to encourage more retail investment because they look at the kind of culture people have in the US um, and, and of, of lots of retail investor participation in stock markets. That means more funding for business. It means greater diversity of, of, of financial services on offer. Uh, it means that when you do have a banking crunch uh, and banks stop lending, as you did in 2008, your economy is a little bit more robust. Um, so they would like to encourage more ordinary people into the stock market. Uh, and uh, they're quite grateful. Uh, you know, they're, they're asking themselves, do our rules get in the way of that? Is there too much regulation? Or what's the best way to encourage people? Uh, and watching this kind of episode from afar, uh, they've been saying, you know, this is going to make it harder to persuade um, your regular, you know, German family to put some of their hard-earned cash into into the stock exchange, which starts to look a bit uh, bit more disreputable again. Well, given this very delicate balance that you're talking about, on the one hand, encouraging more participation in in the stock market, on the other, the fear of a kind of a game stop repeat. Uh, in the EU and the need to safeguard uh, consumers against uh, those uh, those uh, phenomena, what is likely to be the bloc's regulatory response at this stage? Well, at the moment, it's a real head-scratcher, actually. Some of these events have, have got them really reaching for the rule book because it's unprecedented what's happened. You've got something that looks a bit like a regular pump-and-dump scheme, the classic market abuse scheme in which you force up the price of a stock in order to sell it and then dupe all the people that you manage to persuade it to to buy it. But you don't really have collusion. You don't have, as far as we can tell, a single market player who's masterminded it all. It's just a group of people on a social media platform talking about, wouldn't it be great if we all bought this stock? And, uh, you know, there's no law against saying, I think this is a really good company. Wouldn't it be great if everyone bought its stock? Uh, that's that's just freedom of speech. So they are definitely regulators haven't really seen this before uh, and aren't really sure if the current rule book is up to it uh, is up to meeting this challenge. But what they're talking about is, you know, a lot of issues that have been talked about for a long time. You know, should there be should there be greater restrictions on short selling, uh, greater transparency on short selling, given a lot of this came from anger at hedge funds who are short selling the GameStop stock. There's a lot of people who are saying maybe there should be a financial transaction tax to discourage speculative activity. Um, And there's some people saying, you know, do you need to toughen up the rules on inducements? Uh, Because there's a a lot of worry about what you might call the gamification of of stock buying when, when platforms like Robinhood start using the techniques of online mobile games, um, Candy Crush or whatever, to persuade people to buy a stock that, that they maybe otherwise wouldn't have considered buying. Well, given these considerations, what impact may this have on the development of financial technology, something that's often cited as one of the best ways to bring a competition, to inject competition into the banking industry, right? Yeah, I mean... Fintech is a big buzzword in Brussels. Everyone says they're keen to encourage it. But regulators, even before this episode happened, were thinking about, you know, what does it actually mean? And in particular, what happens if a big uh, tech player with its massive databases of information and its massive resources um, comes into financial services? Uh, Someone like Google owning a big investment platform, for example, um, they were already asking, you know, what happens in that case? 
uh, because it's a very different kind of model of regulation. You know, in a traditional system, uh, you have uh, a big institution like Deutsche Bank or ING uh, that provides some insurance and some banking services. And it's quite easy to regulate because it's a big institution. You know where it is. New players like Robinhood, like Bitcoin, perhaps like Google or Apple or Facebook moving into the market, that raises traditional antitrust uh, worries about concentration and having one big player responsible for everything. But it also actually raises a lot of concerns about fragmentation as well, uh, because you've got lots of little itty bitty services, all which to the customer all look like they're being provided together, but actually are all regulated separately, are provided separately by different uh, players and by different uh, regulated entities. Um, so this arrives just at the moment when the EU was really thinking about how, how do we manage this. Um, and it, it's put a bit of a bomb into that uh, thinking process because, you know, it's a real life example of, of what a big online platform can do uh, in the stock exchange. Jack, as always, it's been great talking. Thank you so much. Thank you. Jack Schickler is a senior financial services correspondent for MLEX based in Belgium. You'll be able to find his latest musings on GameStop's impact on European regulatory thinking at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. Just head for the News Hub tab, mlexmarketinsight.com. And we'll make sure his article is on the sunny side of the paywall. For our subscribers, however, there is an entire portfolio of reporting on the issue of market volatility linked to GameStop with stories from both Europe and the US. But now it's my melancholy duty to inform you that we are out of time for this week. The good news is that we'll be back with you in your feed next Friday at more or less the same time. Thank you for your company today. I'm James Paniki from MLEX's Asia-Pacific team and from everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis. Thank you so much for your company. I'll see you next time. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.